the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Healing Word Program is a ministry of the Largo Community Church, where Christ is honored and people are loved. You're invited to join us in worship via live streaming this Sunday morning at either 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Visit LargoCC.org and click on Watch Live. Friend, let him come in today. Come to this altar and let him take the key of life today and unlock you wherever you're stuck and held up and you're holding back and something's holding you back. It doesn't have to be that way when you turn to Jesus. Welcome to The Healing Word, a ministry of the Largo Community Church. On today's program, Pastor Jack Morris is going to look at the death of Jesus and his miraculous resurrection. Not only is this the central theme of the entire Bible, but it represents the hope we have in Christ, not only for an eternity with him, but for the new life here that's available to us right now. So let's go to today's message, Death, Burial, and Resurrection. like you to look at the screen and read in unison verses 3 and 4 from chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. There it is. Just look at it and read it in unison. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now notice the receiving. For I received. For I received. For what I received. Friend, Paul was giving a testimony. Hey, you have received exactly what the apostle Paul received. He said, oh, if I could have an experience like that. You can. And if you've accepted Jesus, and you've really truly opened your heart to him, you've had an apostolic experience in the presence of the Lord. Paul, Paul was a real scoundrel. He, he was a troublemaker for the church. He hated the church. He was so zealous for Israel. He was the one that had the first deacon stoned to death. He stood there and held the coats of those who picked up stones and stole, stoned Stephen. But there was an experience that was indelibly written in his mind, in his imagination, and he couldn't get away from it. For when Stephen was going down, his head was being crushed, and blood was all over his face and in his hair and on his clothes. When the stones hit him, and he started to fall to the ground. Now, when they stoned a deacon back then, or anybody, they didn't pick up little pebbles and throw at him. They'd pick up rocks and run out of them and mash them into the head with it. It was a hideous thing, and it was all done in the name of religion to save Israel. And when, P, when Stephen was going down, he looked up. Friend, let me tell you something. When you're going down and you have a down experience in your life, look up. Look up. 
Stephen looked up and he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And when he said that, that crowd became like mad dogs. They became furious and they stoned him even more so. But there stood the Apostle Paul. He was called Saul at that time, zealous for the hope of Israel, afraid that Christianity was going to take over the religion of Israel. And the religion of Israel, the law of Moses, would go out of style, not realizing that Jesus came to bring it into style, that is the law of Moses, and make it more relevant and fulfill it. But with him standing there, Saul standing there, hearing and watching Stephen pray, Father, don't lay this sin, these people that are mashing my skull in, don't, don't lay this sin to them. Don't blame them for this. And he said, I see Jesus. Paul couldn't get that out of his mind. But he kept on trying to destroy the church. Friend, the church is a resurrected church. It's a resurrected body. You have been resurrected and delivered from your trespasses and in your sins. That's what this table, this altar points to today. Paul was on his way to Damascus. He was going to arrest more people. Sometimes, you know, when you try to get something out of your mind, you work twice as hard. And he was working twice as hard, but he couldn't get Stephen out of his mind. And on the way, something absolutely phenomenal beyond words to describe happened. The church was praying. The church knew about Saul. They knew Saul was coming. But friend, when you pray, God moves. The power of God came upon Saul. And Saul heard a sound from heaven. It was the voice of God. Others around him heard it also, but they didn't understand that voice. But Paul understood the voice. He knew it was Jesus. Oh, I pray today that you will know that this message and this table is Jesus speaking to you. May he give each of us ears and a heart to hear and receive. Paul knew Jesus was talking. Paul fell to the ground. He, he, he couldn't maintain his posture, he was in the presence of God. And he experienced salvation, forgiveness of sins, exactly what you have experienced. Friend, we ought to be a rejoicing people, and we are, are we not? Can everybody say, Praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. And so this is what Paul said this is of first importance that Christ died for our sins. I have to pass it on. I have to. And I talked to Peggy Minnis the other day, Peggy and, and uh, Fred, members of this church. For years, they raised their two sons in this church, uh, Devin and, uh, and Fred the third. I talked to Peggy. Peggy was actually rejoicing over the phone. She was broken, but behind the tears and the sorrow, there was rejoicing, the same exact thing with... Uh, um, Mrs. Dobie, same exact thing. Hurt and pain. Why the hurt and the pain? We're the ones that are going to be sorrowful and miss them, but we're so happy for them because there's no more hurt or pain for them. 
They're in the presence of God. Friend, that's what Christianity is all about, the presence of God. And they're rejoicing, Fred. I can only imagine, and I have been imagining. I've got a, I've got a vivid imagination. Fred goes into the presence of God, and about three days later, Al Doobie goes into the presence of God. Boy, when they bumped into each other in heaven. <laughs> can you imagine? Fred, Al, Al, Fred. <laughs> they're both going through orientation together. <laughs> heaven is for real. There, there's something better after this life. It just keeps getting better and better. And we're so thankful. And Peggy was telling me Fred's not suffering anymore. He's rejoicing in the Lord. He's happy in Jesus. He's in the, the presence of God. About a week or two ago, I called, I talked to Fred, who lives in Florida, who, who lived in Florida, now lives in heaven. And uh, Fred was in bed, couldn't move. He'd fallen away to just about nothing uh, physically. And two of our brothers went down, took an airplane, went down. They, that was about the longest pastoral call that uh, I know of anybody ever making. Went all the way to Florida. Spent their own money to get on an airplane to go down there and serve Fred communion. What you're going to receive here today. Served in communion approximately one week before he died, not knowing that he was going to die. But served in communion. We took that little communion set, we blessed it, we prayed over it before those fellows left the church just a couple of weeks ago to go down to see Fred. And then they served him the Lord's Supper. And I, I didn't tell Fred, uh, Peggy got on the phone, she said, now don't you tell him, I want it to be a surprise. You talk about a surprise, what a surprise. Well, Fred took his last Lord's Supper, Holy Communion service. And it was that that represented the body and blood of Jesus that ushered Fred into the presence of the Lord Jesus. And Fred, when I was talking to Fred, he, he was saying his goodbye to me. He, and he started telling me about Peggy, his wife, and how many years they had been married and how much they were still in love and how that they were sweethearts in high school and then he told me about his two sons, how his two sons were serving the Lord. And I, I was just listening. Friend, listen to me. You have something to talk about. You have something to rejoice over. But if you're not going to rejoice over it, it's because you're not excited about it. And I'm almost wondering, can you say what Paul said? I have received. If you received it, you're going to share it. You're going to share it. And if your children are not in the kingdom right now, keep praying and keep believing and keep sharing, God's going to answer your prayer. Just live the life. Take a stand for truth. Don't let outsiders, family members set the standard. You're the standard because the word of God dwells within you. This is the blessing that God has for us. Pastor Morris will return in a moment with the conclusion of today's message following this important invitation. The Largo Community Church continues to worship on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. by way of live streaming. If there was ever a time when we need the church and the Christians need one another, it's now. To view the live streaming worship, go to the church's website, largocc.org that's l-a-r-g-o-c-c.org click on watch live on Sundays and let's worship the Lord together 
L-A-R-G-O-C-C dot org. Now, let's join Pastor Jack Morris for the conclusion of today's message. Now, notice, of first importance. Now, what is of first importance? What's what's first in your life? What's the very first in your life? Somebody said, look at your check stubs. You'll know what's first in your life. (laughs) I don't know whether that's true or not. But uh, there's something first there. There's something that you're putting ahead of everything else. Oh, you're giving a lot of attention to a whole lot of things. But there's something that is predominant. Notice what it is. Of first importance, Christ died for our sins. He starts enumerating now. He had it in order. It was on his mind. Paul said, Christ died for our sins. Now, think about it. The sinless Son of God who was without sin took our sins. Now, when you you take something, like I'm going to take this this Bible. You take it. I received. I didn't earn it. I didn't pay for it. Jesus said, "I, I took it. He took our sins. Now, in the upper room, before they went in, Jesus and the disciples went into Gethsemane, he, he gave them his cup. His cup had his blood in it, or symbolism of his blood. His cup had his life in it. Now, notice what Jesus is giving, what the Holy Spirit is giving today. Jesus gave them his cup, his blood. His life, that's what he gave. Then they leave the upper room. They go into Gethsemane, into the garden, and he takes their cup. He's just trading lives. My life for your life. I'll take your death. I'll take your hell. I'll give you my life. I'll give you heaven. Now, friend, who can turn down an offer like that? That's what Jesus did. That's what he's doing to this day. That's what he's done in most of our lives. We're in the presence of him today. The first cup was life in the upper room. The second cup in Gethsemane was death and damnation. But he took their cup. Nobody forced your sins on Jesus. He didn't have to take it. But he took it freely, willfully. He didn't ask for anything in return. Only that you live for him now. He didn't say, now, you make these promises. No, you just confess your sins. And as you confess them, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Until he took all of our sins. He took it. When I saw that word took, I looked and I searched. There was just not really a good explanation for it. But it's just reaching out in loving grace and taking it. And then it says he was buried. Now the penalty of sin is death. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. That is eternal separation from God. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. Meaning, it's all over now. Sin has been paid for. You are now new people in the Lord as you confess and repent. You're new creatures in Christ Jesus. What I came to do... It's finished. Nothing more needs to be done. Heaven isn't going to do any more. It's up to us to do more. And that's to allow him to take, took our sins, to 
take our sins, and he will do it. It is finished. And then he was raised. Say this with me. Number one, the big number one. Christ died for our sins. Number two, he was number three, he was, he was raised. That's the rest of the story. Aren't you glad it didn't stop at number one or number two? But it goes on to number three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All heaven was involved in getting you out of this world into the next world. It wasn't easy for Jesus. No. They took that man from the time he was in the upper room instituting the first Lord's Supper until the time he cried out on the cross, it is finished. There was 12 hours. Just about 12 hours. He knew exactly what he was doing and what was going to happen to him. The soldiers took him into the barracks. They beat him nearly to death. They put a crown of thorns on his head and thumped them down into his skull. Uh, Pilate talked to him publicly in front of everybody and said, you're taking all of this and you're not opening your mouth in your defense. Scripture said he opened not his mouth. He remained silent. He was as a lamb led to the slaughter as a sheep before his shears is done. He took it all for us and never one time did he complain. Not one time. You talk about love, caring, salvation. This is what Jesus did. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. You see, death wouldn't be death. I'm talking about physical death right now. Death has power only because of sin. Death has no power in itself, but sin gives it power. And so it is with the second death, the spiritual death. When sin is taken away, the fear of death is taken away. The hope of heaven is placed within. And now you can die rejoicing, knowing you're going into the presence of God. You see, sin, death, evil did their worst to Jesus. There was, not, there was absolutely nothing more that they could do. If They nearly beat him to death. They whipped him till he fell beneath the cross and never complaining at all so that you and I could sit in a beautiful, nice, air-conditioned church. You see, friend, Jesus didn't die on a cross between two candles. No, he died on a cross, bloody, dying. His visage was marred more than any man. He looked like meatloaf. They beat him nearly to death. That's what sin does. But Jesus took our punishment that you and I might be free and liberated completely. That's why we're coming to this altar today, to remember what he did. Years ago, I used to listen to a news commentator called Paul Harvey. You have to be old to remember Paul Harvey. But Paul Harvey would tell stories, and then he'd weave the, the news into that story. And uh, I was working over in Alexandria as a homeschool counselor at that time while trying to get this church going. And uh, Corinne and I were paying our bills and trying to take care of our children financially. And, and so uh, I would go out. I had about six middle schools that I had to take care of to all the kids that were absent, go to the home and 
even take them to court. I didn't like that job very much. I got out of it as quickly as I could. It was a, it was a sad time. I, I remember this little blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. I, I, had to, I kept talking to her and telling her, you've got to, you've got to go to school. You've been truant. Uh, and you have, to, you have to go to school. You have to give an account. And her parents, and she just wouldn't do anything. She just wouldn't listen. I told her, I said, the consequences... Like the Bible tells us the consequences of, of our misdemeanors and our sins. And finally, finally, I had no choice. The court demanded I bring her in. We went before the judge. The judge sentenced her to Richmond, Virginia, to a reform school. When they did, she had a lawyer. That little girl jumped to her feet and screamed, just screamed. She was told repeatedly over and over again, little darling, we're not fooling with you. You're going back to Richmond. She'd been there once. She knew. She screamed, and when it was all over, everybody had left, the lawyer and myself, we went up and talked to the judge. I just shook my head and told the judge, I don't know whether I can take much more of this. I mean, this was something else that was going on. Now, why is it that we can be warned repeatedly over and over? Some of those poor children, we picked up that little African-American girl, beautiful little girl, taking her back to school in my car. And this was over 40 years ago. And I gave her a piece of chewing gum. I'll never forget it. I gave her a piece of chewing gum. And when I did, she started to cry. Tears started falling, coming down her eyes, out of her eyes. I I just couldn't hardly keep my eyes on the road. Uh, This little girl was, she was just so pliable. She was, she was ready to be picked up. She was ready for somebody to do something kind. And a piece of chewing gum was a kind thing to do. I hadn't even thought about it when I handed it to her. Friend, God's trying to do something kind for you today. He wants to bless you and help you and heal you and answer your prayer and take away your sins. But you have to repent and confess. And when you do, you become the darling of heaven. And he cares for you and comes into your life. You see... Jesus allowed those soldiers to do their worst. They did their best to destroy him, but it was their worst. And when they crucified him and he cried out, it is finished, he was buried, a big stone put in front of the tomb. And everything was done. Everything was over with. The government was, hey, we got him. He's behind that big stone. But the third day, come on, Paul Harvey, let me tell the rest of the story. And angels, plural, came from heaven. That stone was rolled away. Come on, I'm telling you the rest of the story. God spoke into that dark tomb and called out, Son, Son of God, Son of the Most High. And then God breathed on his Son Exactly like God breathed on the first Adam and Adam became a living soul. And up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. And he lives forever with his saints to reign. He wants to reign in your life, reign over your sin, reign over your problem, be victorious. He's your savior when you call upon him and ask him to come in. The stone was rolled away and Jesus came forth saying, fear not. I'm the first and the last. Hear the Son of God talking to you today. Fear not. 
You're afraid it's not always, it's, it's always going to be the same. It's not going to get over. Hear the resurrected Son of God. Fear not. I'm the first and the last. I'll be the last when everything else is done and over and done away with. I'll still be the last. I'll be here. I'm the first and the last. I'm him who was dead. I liveth, was dead, was buried. But behold, I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Friend, let him come in today. Come to this altar and let him take the key of life today and unlock you wherever you're stuck and held up and you're holding back and something's holding you back. It doesn't have to be that way when you turn to Jesus. He will unlock the lock and you can go free today. It sure is reassuring to know that the same power that broke the bonds of sin and death that could not hold Jesus down is available to you and me. Freedom in this life is possible if we turn to Him and allow His resurrection power to take over and usher in true peace into our lives. If you need someone to pray for you, I invite you to email your request to the pastoral staff at the Largo Community Church at contactusatthehealingwordministries.com. Be sure to tune in to WAVA tomorrow at this same time for another edition of The Healing Word. Until tomorrow, blessings on you.